When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to your post-game Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's Doug Maurice with Mary Kay Cabot, Irie Harris, Ashley Bastock, and Dan Lobby. The Browns blown out by the New England Patriots, dropped to two and four. We're really going to dig in on the defensive issues and what is going on with quarterback Jacoby Brissett. But big picture off the top, Dan, is this, is this team broken right now? Is this team, you know, I think a lot of people entered this 11-game stretch in a mode of just survive until Deshaun Watson comes back. And obviously a 2-4 and four record isn't great for that. But it also feels like there's some cracks in the foundation of, of the franchise beyond, okay, we'll just survive until Deshaun Watson comes back. And we're going to get into those. But I don't know if anybody expected that, Dan, right? That, that there are some like things that maybe won't automatically be solved by the return of Watson. Yeah, I, I think broken is is an interesting way to put it. I like I don't think it's like desperation. Oh my god, they can't save this, but they're you know, Deshaun Watson doesn't play defense. Where you know, we're gonna get to the defense at, at, later, but like the defense is, is a big issue. I think there were some team building choices that they made um at receiver, for example. Like you've you kind of got one guy at receiver now. How much is the quarterback? How much is the the guys? I think it's probably a combination, but I, I think there are some things that are a little bit concerning as this team moves forward and we're going into a stretch where, you know, you've got to play, you know, Baltimore and Cincinnati, they're probably asking some some hard questions right now too. Now, Cincinnati ended up winning today. Baltimore lost. Um, Miami has to get quarterback figured out. Let's not talk about Buffalo. You start to wonder after these next five games, though, how many – how many are they actually going to win? And it's a little concerning to think about that. Mary Kay, I, I just think you've read the vibes of this franchise for decades now. You're in the locker room afterward. You're listening to Kevin Stefanski and Jacoby Brissett, Miles Garrett at the podium. Are, are you? Con- what's your level of concern, Mary Kay, with sort of like just where this franchise is right now at two and four? Uh, it, it's a big concern. It's a huge concern right now. Because it's slipping away from them very quickly. Uh, when Desha- By the time Deshaun gets back with six games left, it's really starting to look like they might not have much to play for. Now they're looking at over these next five games, uh, I mean, they're going to have to win at least three of them over these next five games to, to even have a shot. Of, of handing over a contending football team uh, to Deshaun. And it just doesn't seem likely. I mean, my goodness, they're heading into uh, games against the the Ravens and the Bengals and, and they just seem lost. I mean, they just don't seem uh, like they are working together and pulling together or playing well. I think there are some talent issues at certain spots. I think Jacoby Brissett is just turning the ball over, obviously way, way, way too much. Um, and and I, I think they should look at that. I mean, I think they should at least look at it. And um, yeah, they're, they're not in a good spot at all right now. I read, do, do you think they can still survive through these 11 games? Do you think that would your anticipation be that when Deshaun Watson comes back, they still have a chance at the playoffs or does this feel like this is maybe heading towards more of a loss season? Right now is definitely heading towards more of a loss season, uh, especially because even putting aside the fact of their despicable play today, which I'm even disgusted even speaking about honestly at the moment, is the fact that they knew that there were multiple games that were, they just let slip through the cracks that were supposed to add to the win column so that when number four does come back, we can make it a bit easier for them. 
now it's going to look as if everything regarding the season is on is on number four shoulder, just on Washington's shoulders. So at this point, it is looking like it's heading towards a season of, law, of more losses than wins. I think that's in the minds of every every fan right now in Cleveland. It's a reason why everybody in Cleveland is more worried about the baseball team, the basketball team. They're probably more worried about the Cleveland Monsters, the American Hockey League team, compared to this football team right now. That's probably who they're more worried about because it's heading towards a losing season. You know, I was getting a lot of tweets from people um, that said, well, the Browns stink, but at least the minor league hockey season is coming. I did. There's there's definitely a vibe around that. Uh, Ashley, do you see cracks? And, and and I'll say this. If I think depending which cracks you may or may not see, to me, it becomes an issue that's not just a, a 2022 issue. I mean, there are things here that's like, okay, like is this team who we think they are for what it, we, everyone views as this like winning time in Deshaun Watson's prime. And again, I don't want to go too far off the deep edge, but do you see, do you see foundational things, Ashley? I do see certain cracks. I don't think the cracks are deep enough yet to know, like you're saying, Doug, how deep they go into the foundation in certain instances. Like currently, I mean, and it, this isn't, this is mostly, I think, just a vibe that I'm getting. Like, I do wonder defensively the scheme and if what Joe Woods wants is being actually connected and understood by players, because basically every year, I think we hear some version like with this defense about it's, you know, we we have this defense and then it becomes, oh, well, we're tapering it back. We're making it more simple. We're simplifying things, Right. And it's almost like to me, I'm like, why don't you, you know, start it simpler and then add things like that's how my brain is thinking about it. So I do question that I question, you know, some of these draft picks are still pretty unproven, right? You got some young guys who aren't really playing super well right now. And you have a way that this team has been built where they've made sacrifices in certain positions on defense, defensive tackle in particular, like Dan said, receiver, you have like one receiver, one true solid threat at receiver right now um, that I think is coming back to bite this team. And we saw it by them getting ran over the last two games in particular. And I think that those sort of things like definitely could be cracks to the foundation of, of this team. And I think right now they're playing like a team that their identity is waiting for Deshaun Watson to come back. That's what it feels like to me. And oh. that's not good because that is a switch that I don't care. Like you can come in and think, oh, Deshaun Watson is going to solve all this team's problems because he's going to put a ton of points on the board. And then maybe some of these other things won't matter as much. I think the habits that this team has built might be really difficult to break once he comes back. And there's no guarantee how he's going to look when he comes back because he's going to be playing for the first time in two years. That's a, that's a really interesting way of saying that. It's almost like a thing that people, when the Browns were tanking, when other franchises have tanked, you know, when the 76ers tanked, I think people get worried about, are you creating a culture that now when it's going to be winning time that you can't get out of the, the, the let's wait till he gets back culture. And then when he's back, it's like, oh, we develop bad habits. That's a really interesting thing to think about. We want to get to the defense. I just want to check real quick. You four are at the game. I am not there. I don't know if you guys sniff this out in the locker room at all. I'm assuming do, do we know for sure is Grant Delpit playing with two broken arms and that's why he doesn't use his arms to tackle? Did we, was there an injury report on that? Is that from not my, from my perspective? He still had two he, working yeah, arms, but they I, did, was, they, I mean, oh. he was involved in some pretty tough plays mm. today. Okay. To I, I mean, wanted, he is, just... he is one of these guys. Like when I talk about young guys who aren't playing well right now, I think he's definitely up in that discussion, right? Like it's not good. Okay, I'm going to keep my eye on the on the injury report this week and see if the two broken arms pop up there. When we come back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, what's up with this defense? What should they do about it next? All right, we're back. Let's do this. Just pipe up. If you think, here's here's the first question. Will Joe Woods be the Browns defensive coordinator at the start of the 2023 season? Is there anyone who thinks the answer to that is no? A 2023 season so we're just talking about like hey thought, you're gonna let you let, let you the might... guy live let the guy live you evaluate and then in the in the dispassionate um, off season you make a decision so I, that's what I, you're basing it on i can't say yes right now i can't say that i think he will be I, I mean you can't especially if this season ends up if it keeps going this way you can't just run it back on your coaching staff you just can't 
and Joe Woods would be the obvious choice. So I'll I'll say that no. Okay. At this point. I- Anyone else think it's possible that that's a discussion that again, I think it's a different question than like, are they going to make a move in the middle of the season? But that like, it could be evaluated after the season. Mary Kay. Yeah. I mean, I, I they'll evaluate everything after the season, depending on what, what happens. I think uh, everybody will have new life perhaps breathed into them for the last, in the last six games of the season. So if they end on a strong note and they start winning football games, then I think everybody will settle down a little bit and say, oh, yeah, this is maybe what it's supposed to look like. I mean, we don't know if that's going to happen. But if that does happen, I think it could be a reprieve for a lot of people. Okay. Who thinks this is on the table now? Who who thinks that this could get serious with continued underachievement of the defense that, that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski could potentially take a hard look. And does anyone think that that would fix it? Like, is that, and Dan, you wrote, you know, I'm, I'm, I read everybody's stuff. Everybody's writing great stuff. Dan, you zoomed in on, Hey, it's not just the coordinator. It's not snap your fingers, get a new coordinator. Wade Phillips is here and everything on the defense is solved, but you can't pretend that people in charge aren't held accountable for things. Are they getting, we asked this question last week, anybody further down the line of, yeah, no, they've got to make some, have some serious discussions about maybe making a change in the middle of the year. Who's there? Dan's I mean, kind of there. You're kind yeah, of there, I'm, right? I'm there to the extent of like, if we got a press release tomorrow that Joe Woods has been let go, I wouldn't like panic. I wouldn't be like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. I, I mean, I think it's, it's to that point, especially with the bye week coming up, you know, you've, that that's kind of when you would maybe make a change if you were going to, but you got two big division games coming up. You know, the, the bigger point I made though, is even if you make that change, you're more or less just changing the voice. You're, you're not making big schematic changes right now. You're not going to go hire Vic Fangio and have him, you know, put his defense in. Um, you're kind of just changing the voice and that might work. And maybe you'll pick somebody who, has a better feel for how to call the plays for this defense or something like that. So those are the changes you're making. But I also think that's not the like fix all solution because I think there's just issues that run deeper with how this defense was built and how much they relied. They chose to rely on certain young players, either making a leap or performing well in their first real opportunities. Just to double check. I just want to make sure last week, the Browns, some Browns defenders said they felt, I guess, disrespected by the chargers going for it. Um, Did they feel disrespected by the Patriots scoring 38? Did anyone say that they felt that was disrespectful? I don't know (laughs) if that was a topic of conversation. Um, I am. I'm not there. You guys are there. Just like getting the Twitter vibes a little bit, the way these, and I know that people aren't going to get up there and say like flagellate themselves, I don't like how this team talks after losses. Like it, it's, it's the, the Kevin fan, like the whole, like we're going to come together and get better has really run its course. So that's not what this is about, but like sitting at home and watching the stuff come out, like it's revolting. So like maybe they can learn how to be better in talking after losses because they keep losing. So at least maybe they'll get better at that. All right, let's talk roster building of the defense then, Ashley. I think what Dan is, this is what I interpret when Dan talks about the way you built the roster to some degree. You make choices about where you spend money, where you spend draft picks. It also feels like, maybe I'm wrong here. They spent money in the secondary. They spent money in draft picks on corners. They got some lighter linebackers. I think they built themselves to stop the passing games of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and everybody, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson and and chase down these fast guys and don't let them throw. And the result is they're getting run over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that they, they built a pass defense. And even last week against Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert didn't kill him. Austin Eckler killed him and they yeah. can't stop the run. And it's not coincidental, Ashley, it's almost fundamental. It's a choice they made. And I, they, again, you can't turn that. You can't turn the roster over overnight. And again, the Anthony Walker jr. Uh, injury hurts. Jadavion Clowney is great at stopping the run. Obviously. Yes but it feels like a choice and it's biting them right now, Ashley. Yeah. And I think like, like you said, Doug, those two key injuries that they have right now, it's, it's making the bite that much harder. And I think when we came into this season, you know, we were speculating a lot. Like it feels like this team wants this defense to be almost positionless. And that's like a word, you know, they'll never say that, but that's what like it, it looked like to us analytically based on who they picked. Like you're saying, based on the body type of guys, like, you know, we hear about, 
Joe Woods walking past Martin Emerson when he first got here and he thought he was a safety because of how big he is. And and we know how JOK looks. I mean, he's slimmed down a lot even compared to last year. And I think at the end of the day, the result of that, like you said, has been teams have found a way to poke holes in this defense where there isn't a quick fix because of how it's made up. And I think almost like maybe if there was that desire to be positionless, it's almost backfired. And it's like, yeah, you can't defend any position. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't defend different things depending on what a team is good at. Like you're trying to take away their strength and they just go and do the other thing. And it's worked out in all of these games. Um, You know, Ramondre Stevenson didn't kill them today, but Bailey Zappi looked pretty good. You know, he was effective enough to get things done against this defense. And I think, that's the reality right now that the way it's built, it just kind of backfired. I re- I re- when you watch this defense, do you think this is a talented defense that's underachieving or are you starting to question the talent and say, maybe the players aren't as good as we thought they were? I think that the individual uh, defensive players have certain intangibles that I think the Browns staff and Browns front office probably saw and liked and thought that they could probably mold them into better defenders within Joe Wood's vision of a good Browns defense, but now the overall talent and thought and maybe even more so IQ of these Browns defensive players are starting to come into question. I mean, there's no reason, as we mentioned, why the running game from each team that they played a season should go out there and kill them. There's no reason why Austin Eckler had more yards in a single game than he did through the first four games of the season. There's no reason why many a times whether through the weak side or the strong open through the B gap, you have multiple linebackers that move too close to the line to come around the edge rush, and all of a sudden you open up space. Why has this happened multiple times? We can only give our opinion and thought process on that, and that's for them to decide. But there's so many questions around these these guys on defense right now. It's 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 actually despicable. Mary Kay, the the, the hard thing. I don't know what the right balance is. How to evaluate injuries? They're part of the NFL, but. When we say, hey, man, maybe this Doug's saying, yeah, maybe these defensive guys aren't as good as we think. Well, Denzel Ward didn't play. Jadavion Clowney didn't play. And Anthony Walker Jr. didn't play. Like, well, those are three of their top eight guys, right? I mean, that that obviously matters, Mary Kay. But should it blow a hole in a defense the way it seems to? I mean, maybe, I mean, Walker's not coming back. But Clowney and Ward will be back. I, I don't know, Mary Kay. How should fans be taking the injuries into account when you talk about this defense? Well, I mean, I think it's a factor, but I also think there are a lot of guys that are just not taking that step up, not playing well. And and I think it's hard to diagnose it right now. I think it's going to take until the bye week until we have some better answers on, uh, is it just the fact that uh, there are a lot of guys on this team that the Browns thought would take a big step up in their second season and they haven't done it? Or uh, are the injuries a factor? I think the injuries are a factor. I think it's a lot of things that are contributing to all of this. But one of those things uh, is the fact that, that, you know, just some of the younger guys that that we really thought would be popping this year haven't done that. So that's one thing uh, to take a look at. But I, I think so much, much of this has to do with with takeaways and turnovers. I mean, it, I mean, you're never you're not going to win a football game when you turn the ball over four times. I mean, they got 24 points off of turnovers. And in my mind, that's what it comes down to. A lot of teams play some bad defense. There's bad defense that happens a lot in the NFL, and it's and teams overcome it by scoring points and not turning the ball over. And and I I put a lot of it on Jacoby Brissett turning the ball over, and um, and you know just what's happened with that with the last in these last six games they're zero and four when they lose the turnover battle, and he's thrown crucial interceptions in four, all four losses. And I think that has a lot to do with why they're losing right now. Is Grant Delpit playing himself off the field? Is that an option? Like it's, it seems like he is, you can point to some big mistakes, right? Uh, listen, I guess you fall down sometimes. I don't know, but the, the missed tackles. And I like, he's kind of like a boomer bust player. It seems like who's busting a lot right now. Can they do something there? Anyone think, I don't even know who would be next up. Who would be next up if they said, we can't put this guy out there as much as we put him out there? Do they have another option or are they rolling with Grant Delpit? You'd have to go with either Ronnie Harrison, who might present some of the same issues, um, or I don't know, maybe they throw DeAnthony Bell out there. You know, <laughs> like they like his speed. I don't know. Maybe he can play, but he's an undrafted guy. So you kind of do that at your own risk. 
Um, is Richard LeCount's on the practice squad, I think. So I, I guess he could be an option. Um, I, I don't know what options you have, and I think, you know, as you go through a 53-man roster, that's kind of what you find across the board, but you, you probably do have to try something at some point because, you know, Grant will make a great play in the run game or something, but then, you know, I don't know what happened on that that Hunter Henry play. I mean, he said he slipped, but it felt like he kind of bit on play action and got turned around and thrown to the ground. It was just a really bizarre play. And then the tackle attempt on Johnu Smith, like it's, it's concerning. <laughs> I, I mean, I, again, I'd be open to making that change also. Like if, if you need, if you want to try Ronnie out there and see what he can do with more snaps and, and take some of grants away, I think you have to try anything right now. Is the defense generally talented enough? Like, is that like, like we still think at its best when it's healthy, this defense is good enough to win. Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett, JOK, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, JJ3. Yes. Ashley, yes. It's good enough. Yes. Yes. It's like seven In good theory, players. Right yeah. There. I mean, yes. <laughs> What was remember the whole conversation when they hadn't brought Jadavian Clowney back, and we were like, most teams aren't lucky enough to have a Miles Garrett. There's, you know, ninety nine percent of teams aren't lucky enough to have two edge rushers like Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. So yes, when they are out there together, especially, I mean, on paper, this is the problem. On paper, this defense should be really good, but right now, it's only on paper. It's not translating to out there. I mean, you have those guys, like you said, you have. JOK, if Anthony Walker Jr. was here, like he's obviously, I think, really integrated himself into being a key part of this defense over the last couple of years, especially with his communication and leadership and things like that. And then the secondary, you know, Denzel Ward, you just extended him. You know, you Greg Newsom, you expect to get a lot out of him in his second year, just like JOK. You expect those guys to pop uh, maybe a little more than they have. Grant Delpit you know, coming off really his true first year last year after dealing with the Achilles two years ago. Um, these are all guys who, like we've been saying, we thought they were going to improve on paper. This defense, I think, should be better than what it is. And it, the problem is it's just not translating to the field. And on paper is meaningless in the NFL. Deion Jones did not play on Sunday. Mary Kay, do we expect that he will play next week and i know you make a pro bowl once and i guess it's like one of those things when you go in your obit you're a pro bowl linebacker mm-hmm. when he made the pro bowl the, the only time he made the pro bowl joe Schobert was also a pro bowl linebacker that year so it's one of those things like i, I know he made the pro bowl um but he hasn't played this year will he do we anticipate that's a big difference mary Kay? i i think people are asking trying to look for well this guy's made a bunch of tackles the last couple of years when he's been healthy how much will he help I mean, he should help. I mean, he he has made a bunch of tackles. I think uh, he brings some much needed veteran experience and some wisdom. And I think he'll bring a lot that uh, that they lost when Anthony Walker left the lineup. But to expect that he's going to you know shift the balance of power in the AFC North, that's not going to happen. I mean, he's new to the team. He's new to the scheme. He's one guy. Uh, and I, I just don't think that uh, people can put all of those eggs in that basket. They've got a lot of issues uh, that they're going to have to sort through. They've got a lot of weaknesses and, uh, you know, teams are taking advantage of that now. And the, the scary part is the fact that, you know, that was the easy part of the schedule that they got through. And it's just not going to get easier from here. Do you watch the bills today? I mean, like, can you imagine? Um, so it, it's just, yeah. Deion Jones cannot be called upon to be the savior of this defense. I know Mary Kay wrote about this idea this week. I mean, you guys write about everything. God, your coverage is good. The, the idea. So miles Garrett's great, right? He was in a car accident. You can tell he's still a little coming back from that. He had the play where his shoulder kind of got pulled on a, on a play today and he was kind of on the ground and you could say, Oh, that's probably still lingering from that. He did have the one fumble forced on Bailey Zappi. He's he's the best player on the defense. He's the best player on the team. Does he make as many game-changing plays per game? And I know he's getting a lot of attention paid to him. Does he make as many game-changing plays per game as the best player on a team should? Or should he make more? Anybody want to dive in and criticize Miles Garrett? You know, I, I think he should make more. I've, I've been saying that for a long time. I think he should make more. He thinks he should make more. 
So if it's good enough for him to say it, it's certainly good enough for me. He said it after the game today, and I agree with him. He can only do so much, right? But, I mean, that's what he's called upon to do, to be a generational talent who changes the football game. And he did make a game-changing play today. Um, but he's got he does still have to step it up and do a little bit more because obviously right now it's not enough. It's harder on him when Jadavian's not out there. Um, but I, I do think that that he's got another gear that he's got to get to. Remember, he flipped his car three times. He's just he's not himself yet. I mean, his his season, I think when you know, when we write the story of this season and look back on it, that accident is going to loom very large because Look what happened to him today. He's not going to be himself for Baltimore next week. He's going to be fighting through this for, for quite a while, I think. It does feel like to me like you don't feel his presence down to down as much as maybe you feel Nick Bosa's presence or TJ Watt's presence. I don't I don't know. I'm not trying to say the guy's not a good football player, but he is their best player. There's no doubt he's their best football player. And you can go two quarters and it doesn't really seem like it matters that he's on the field. I, I, this is not where you would start. Like, Oh, what's wrong with the Browns? Oh, Miles Garrett's not good. That's not where you would start, but they're looking for saviors right now. And they're waiting for one guy who's not back for another five games. And their other guy flipped his car and is, is maybe not wrecking games. I, I don't know. To me, you feel that absence of dominance which is not, it's not fair to put it on one guy, but I think you feel it. Do you guys think other guys think you feel it? No, I, I agree with you. And I mean, I think like Mary Kay said, Miles is critical of himself because of this. So I think like, it's, it's obvious. It's just obvious at this point to everyone. I think it's fair for us to talk about. And you make a great point, Doug, because those other guys, you know, it's like, we talk about, oh, it'd be easier for Miles if Jadavian Clowney was there. But again, a lot of, you know, other teams don't have two guys of this caliber. Those guys that you mentioned, the Bosa's of the this league, the TJ Watts of this league, they're getting double teams. They're getting double team, triple team. They're getting, you know, everything in the kitchen sink thrown at them too. And they find a way to make plays. And I think like what Mary Kay's saying, that's what separates these type of generational kind of talents. And that's why Miles Garrett, I think, knows that he needs to do that. He expects more from himself. He knows he's going to have to make those kind of plays to win. And like you said, I mean, we're just not seeing that taking over games. A big thing is, is takeaways. We've been talking about that since last season. Um, and I just think it's a fair criticism at this point. It's obviously not all his fault, but he could be doing more given the expectations that are set for him. So I'll, I'll, I'll join the pile on here too. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'll make look, sure to, I'll tag miles on Twitter. when I put the pile <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think it's a fair, I, I think it's a fair discussion. I think it's a fair criticism. I mean, there are times when I watch the Bengals and it's like, Oh, there's Trey Hendrickson. There's Trey. And I'm talking about Trey Hendrickson, who I like, and I wish the Browns would have signed a couple off seasons ago, but like miles Garrett is a better player than Trey Hendrickson. Miles Garrett is, you know, you watch the Raiders who have an awful defense and Max Crosby is out there impacting games. You mentioned the Bosa's you mentioned, you know, we talk about Aaron Donald, who's not an edge rusher, but we know what he can do. TJ Watt. I, I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm sure if I watched every single snap of some of these edge rushers, there would be times when I'm like, where's that guy been for a little while? But it does feel like sometimes with miles, it's like, come on, buddy, we need you to go make a play right now. And it, it just doesn't happen. And Again, this is something that I wonder, do they need to get more creative with him? Because today, they actually did something kind of cool. I think it was coming out of a TV timeout. They lined up, or, or were starting to line up, and all of a sudden, Alex Wright turns and runs off the field, and Miles Garrett runs on, gives him a high five, and right as the ball is snapped, Miles is just lining up, and he ended up getting a hold on Trent Brown. He got a one-on-one -on -one matchup and got a hold on Trent Brown. And I think there's got to be some way that you can get creative. And I, he he's not Micah Parsons. He can't line him up like a linebacker. And the, look, there's another guy, right? Game wrecker. But there's got to be something you can do where it's like, okay, here's Miles. Let's put three guys on that side of the ball. Let's put three guys over there and make sure that he can't do anything. I'm waiting for next game. It's going to be like, Man, that line judge is really fit. He seems kind of has wide shoulders. And it's like, wait, pulls off his stripes. It's Miles Garrett. Here he comes. Um, 
Yeah, I mean the de- the defense is not good enough and when we come back the offense is not good enough to carry a team when the defense isn't good enough not while Jacoby Brissett's the quarterback. We'll do that next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So, it almost <laughs> makes me feel a little silly right now. I I don't know if it was 2 or 3 weeks ago where we were like can Jacoby Brissett sustain this level of play the whole year? And it was like, nosedive. And it was like, of course not. And Dan, I think, was the leader of the of course not category on that one. So you, we'll start with you, Dan. Uh, like, Jacoby's bad. Jacoby was bad on Sunday, right? And I don't I don't know what's going to change it. It feels like we're in a downward spiral, and I'm not sure Kevin Stefanski is the guy to pull him out of it. Yeah, and – we joked, we joked about this earlier. Like, I'm not going to take victory laps because Jacoby Brissett's too nice a guy. <laughs> and I, I I would like personally for Jacoby Brissett to do well because he is a nice guy and he's fun to talk to. And I would like him to do well. But we also have years and years and years of evidence of who Jacoby Brissett is. And I don't know if it's this specifically what we saw today, but it is kind of a guy that has games like this and is not a good starting quarterback and uh, the Browns had to know this when they got him, you know, to, to go bigger picture. Sometimes I do wonder if this team thinks like, well, if we go get this guy and put him in our system and get him with our coaches, he's not going to be the guy he's been for his entire career. And that that's not the case. Like Jacoby is who he is. And I think any games that they lose because of that, yes, Jacoby needs to take responsibility, but they need to own that too because they knew what they were getting into. They and they knew it at some point in the summer that Deshaun Watson was probably going to be suspended a lot longer than maybe they expected. Um, so so they knew what they were getting into, and they still just continued. We're gonna ride with Jacoby. This is gonna be our guy. And maybe maybe they thought that this system would make him into something he's not. But the, the one thing is his interception rate in the three years That's true. that he was a starter, I think it was 1.3, 1.8, and 1.9 in those three seasons. It's over two this year in the last three losses in a row. It's 3.5. So it's almost double what it had been. He's thrown four picks in the last three games. That's what's going to happen. He is a limited guy, but when he's decent, he doesn't turn it over. And when he does turn it over, his his winning percentage when, when he throws no picks is like 430 winning percentage in his career. And his winning percentage when he does throw a pick is like 290. So it's not that great already, and it plunges. If he throws a pick, like you're almost dead. And so I re- with that in mind, what did you think when they rolled out with Jacoby Brissett and threw a deep shot to their ninth string tight end who's been on the roster for 11 days uh, on the second offensive play of the game? Did you think to yourself, Kev, you're a genius, or did you have questions about that? Yeah, I, I think if you went into my mind on that one play alone, you would have not seen any words. You just would have seen just legit the the question mark just just sitting right there. Just, oh, good. I thought you were going to spell out swear words again. I was glad. I was like, in my head, I was spelling. So that's good. It was just question marks and like other nonsensical grammatical little things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I have to spell anything. I think I'll, I'll allow the players to do that alone. They're probably, they probably have many drafts right now via Twitter that they're just ready to pull spelling it out. But I digress. Regarding that play, though, to uh, their third string side, ACL, and that was the one thing that I thought about too, because I wasn't I wasn't surprised that on the very first play of the game they threw it to Harrison Bryant. That's their second string tight end who has gone, we we say quite a bit of playing time recently. And he has been used as like that warm-up for Jacoby Brissett. They'll usually start off with somewhere below a 10-yard pass. If he gets that going, usually they'll go to him on the next play. That happened, I remember, a couple of weeks back, I believe, versus uh, Pittsburgh. There was one catch for 18 yards and the next catch for 15 yards strictly to him. After that, that was it regarding targets. Remember? In this game, I expected them to go back to Bryant, but instead they go to their third stringer, and it was a deep pass. I was already feeling uneasy about it when seeing Wanjan, uh first off, the, the fake handoff and the play action to Chubb. Brissett threw the pass while scrambling. He's he's running to the side. Him already throwing one off foot and not just when standing alone looking through already had me questioning what was happening. And then to see the result of it being fully un- underthrown, just it pretty much set the tone for how the Browns were playing. Well, 
why we're here now talking about them the way we are. It, it's just a mess right now. So, yes, you know, it was definitely a big question mark. You know who the Browns could use? Jose Ramirez. That guy is a boss. My I, gosh, he just started a double play. Dude, where's Jose Ramirez? Right now, could you – is there the game's on. Could you dial up to have two teams playing in the same city on the same day and have such a divergent fan faith quotient in those this, two teams? How, this is what, what, what my zero story was about, Doug. It's unbelievable. The Browns the, are like the shadow guardians. It's like the it's it's the what it's people could not be more into this baseball team. This baseball team maximizes every inch of every player on the team. And the Browns are like, ah, we got a bunch of guys making like two hundred million dollars. They just can't tackle anybody. It is unbelievable. Yeah. I will say, like, it is it they truly are opposites and this was like the point like i couldn't get past this like all the feelings of last night and i talked about this on twitter but i live downtown i live a few blocks away from progressive field i can see it from my apartment um i heard the roar of the crowd yesterday before that walk-off hit was actually on the television broadcast like that's the level of excitement. And then you come here less than 24 hours later to First Energy Stadium and the Browns performance is so abysmal that fans are leaving en masse in the third quarter. And it's just like this juxtaposition of a team that's young and has like fun while winning. They never feel like they're out of anything versus a team who's like still young, but not as young and not, you know, they have a lot more names than the Guardians have big time names. And they just can't meet any expectations, I think, that anybody had for them so far this season, other than like Nick Chubb being Nick Chubb. Like that's fine. That's mostly oh. fine when they give him the ball, but they only give him the ball 12 times today. I so. feel bad for Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb should be a guardian. We <laughs> think Nick that Nick Chubb would Chubb fit in, in that crowd. clubhouse really well. He would fit in that clubhouse really well. They'd be like, man, your second baseman is is pretty <laughs> thick. Yeah. What's up with that? It's like just wait, just watch him turn the double play. It's all fine. Um, I did think Dan that watch the the Patriots don't technically have an offensive coordinator. They have two failed head coaches who are a former de- who are defensive minded and special teams minded, and they just were like, I don't know. Do you guys have a play sheet? Matt Patricia was like, I think I have an old play sheet in my garage, and Bill Belichick was like, That's good enough. Just call the plays. And then like on third and six, they look over at Bill and they say, What do you think we should do? And Belichick says, Here, run YZ Coyote, and they're like, Okay, we'll run that. <laughs> And Kevin Stefanski is supposed to be a genius. He's here because he's, here he's an offensive genius. Dan, when you watched, we're talking about the Browns' offense right now, but when you watched the Patriots putting Bailey Zappi, rookie making his second start in position to succeed, and when you saw Kevin Stefanski having Jacoby Brissett roll out and throw 40-yard passes down the field, and I get that maybe wasn't the first read, but if that's in the playbook at all, like take out that route. You would have been better off having Farrell Brown run two yards and sit on the ground and curl up because then at least Jacoby Brissett couldn't throw a ridiculous interception to him. The problem in previous losses, Dan, was that late in games, Kevin Stefanski and the Browns wound up asking Jacoby Brissett to do more than he's capable of doing. So the solution on Sunday was to ask him all day to do more than he's capable of doing. I could not believe the play calls that they did for Jacoby Brissett. And then they wind up like throwing it 45 times and running it 18. And it's because they got behind. What were they doing? Who so, thought that was the game plan? So I saw a tweet that made me like almost angry sitting in the press box, just stewing. I probably felt my like body taste. It's right next to me. My body temperature was probably just 500 degrees. Somebody said, the Browns ran an end around to Donovan Peoples-Jones. And somebody tweeted, every time the Browns do that, I think about Jakeem Grant and how well those plays would have worked with Jakeem. And my first thought was, cool, Jakeem Grant got hurt on like August 9th. <laughs> so let's just take the Jakeem Grant portion of the playbook out. Let's get rid of it. Let's not worry about how that would have looked with Jakeem Grant because he hasn't been around for two months. And sometimes it does feel like Kevin Stefanski tries to run this offense that's like, this is going to be super sweet when Deshaun Watson's back there. Or this end around would have worked really great if 
like Jakeem Grant were on the field or Anthony Schwartz were actually, actually looked fast or whatever it was. Like sometimes I do think like, and, and some of it is Jacoby is very limited. Sometimes it does feel like Kevin tries to get too creative and get too cute with things and overthink things. And so you get plays that just don't seem to fit the quarterback you have. Kevin Stefanski's on the sideline being like, man, that play would have worked if the Browns would have drafted Josh Allen instead of Baker Mayfield. That Shoot. was actually that was actually something I said. I'm like, man, that deep ball would have been great if the Browns would have drafted Josh Allen. I just I could not believe. And again, they got behind and it made them desperate. Uh, and Nick Chubb, again, it's like, who are your two best football players? Miles Garrett, and Nick Chubb. How did they matter on Sunday? Not at all. You know, and that's that's the whole deal. We get that. I just I can't get past. Do we have an answer on that, by the way? Did Kevin Stefanski get a question about why did you call that play and why did Jacoby Brissett throw that pass on the second offensive play of the game to Pharaoh Brown? I think again, he has did. Been on the roster for. I think he did. I gotta. I'd, I'd have to find it, but I'm, I'm almost certain well, that. I think I have easier access to you than yeah. he did get asked about Pharaoh Brown. Um, hold on one second. That was but, an illuminating answer. Did you think to yourself, well, you know what? Now it makes I mean, total it, it sense was a Kevin me. Stefanski press conference, so you could only get so much of out of any given Kevin Stefanski answer because that's his, you know, goal going into these. But he said, Pharaoh now being here for a couple weeks just felt like there were some opportunities in that package, run and pass. Could be something similar moving forward or might not be really game to game. So it was the quintessential Kevin Stefanski. <laughs> Say nothing answer, which is here's why we did it. I'm not going to really tell you why. It might still be around, but also it might not. And it's going to be game to game because that's the that's the buzzword, honestly, in these press conferences. Game, game to game, week to week, day to day. Any hyphen it you want to throw in there, it probably worked, honestly. <laughs> so it's, it's some probably point, makes sense. At some point over the last month, Kevin Stefanski went on his burner accountants. We did, man, that throw to that tight end would have worked <laughs> great if only Pharaoh Brown were on this roster. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, get me Pharaoh Brown. That is the key to the rest of this. There's a post-it note that says Pharaoh Brown no matter what somewhere in Berea. <laughs> hey, you, let's keep it going. You, you Do you really want to know what I was thinking on, on, on that oh. play entire time? All the way down to Fair Brown. Man, that really would have worked if it was Mike Harley catching that ball. <laughs> oh. But but what do but what do we know? Um, I do think that and, and I wrote this, I don't, you know, you don't just want to say the same thing, except that the Browns keep doing the same things wrong week after week. And so it's like, well, I guess we'll all just say the same thing again. If Freddie Kitchens or Hugh Jackson would have called that play on the second play of the game. People would have been going bazonkers. I just think that they're that Stefanski is wrapped in a attractive stubble, nice quarter zip veneer of competence that I'm not sure really applies. And if it was Freddie or Hugh, like we wouldn't stand for it. And I and again, same thing like with Jacoby Brissett. Like he's nice and he's handsome and Kevin Stefanski seems nice and handsome, but right now I think they're both terrible at their jobs. So like, I don't know what else to say about that. It is, I can't believe, and this, Dan, this is the thing that Kevin Stefanski is supposed to be the best at, right? I can't believe that's the game he called today. I can't believe it. And then you look at the other side of the game, the Patriots called for Bailey Zappi. It's like, what, what are we doing here? If Stefanski can't do this better and listen, their offensive EPA coming into the game was fifth in the in the league. And that's like a you know an advanced metric of offensive competence and efficiency. The top three teams coming in were the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Eagles. They're all good. The Browns were fifth in offensive efficiency, and they still can't win. So, like, I know there's like this statistical efficiency and competence that doesn't translate on the scoreboard, but then that didn't exist on Sunday, Dan. Sunday was just like, I have no idea what they're trying to do, and none of it worked offensively, and that's on the head guy. Yeah, I mean, that's always the argument is like the offense was seemed good, right? Statistically, all those stats, whether it's EPA, um, 26 points per game coming in, uh, you know, I think their DVOA was really good. I mean, there were things that was like this offense is doing good things. Now, I don't know how much of that was just like, hey, Nick Chubb is the best running back in football. 
So the offense, when you give it to him 30 times, is going to be really good. I think Kevin has done good things with this offense, considering how limited Jacoby is and how limited just they are generally at the receiver position. But I agree with you. I, I think there is a disconnect between those numbers and what we see on Sundays where there's just things being left out there, whether it's some of the goal line play calling the past couple of weeks, whether it's today, which was just an absolute disaster. Um, I, I think sometimes you have to be really careful to not get too caught up in what numbers are telling you and make sure you're watching and saying, yeah, but this is how I feel about it. Right. I know that's not like the analytics move and, and I get that, but sometimes you do have to just kind of say like, yeah, the numbers are telling me this is great, but how do I feel when I watch it? And I don't always feel great when I watch it. When the circumstances are perfect, they've looked good, right? Early game, script, It's there's no pressure on yet. As soon as it gets tight, as soon as you have got to have it drives, they don't have it. And I think it's fair to, I mean, you, you do acknowledge the stats and you do acknowledge the points they've scored. They just haven't translated to winning. But Ashley... Every other game, we'd be coming on here. We're talking about, oh, I just got away from, just got away from. Sunday was a disaster, and I'm not so sure there aren't more disasters ahead. That maybe they're yeah. going to start losing more games by 20 and fewer by one, two, or three, and we will look back even harder, which we've been talking about. Man, that one slipped away. That one slipped away. Nothing slipped away Sunday. But I don't know what that's going to mean against the Ravens and the Bengals and the Bills, and that, I think, is the worrisome thing, Ashley, that we might be seeing more things like Sunday and fewer of the games that come down to the final three minutes of the fourth quarter. As we're recording this, like the Bills and the Chiefs game are is on right now. And watching the Bills, it's like I can't even – my mind right now cannot even comprehend what that game will look like. Like it, it, I truly cannot comprehend it, what that offense is going to look like against this defense if it is this defense. Like, you know what I mean? It's just – wild this was the easy part of their schedule if they were going to get to six and five they had to go four and one in those first like five games basically we said right like or somewhere in that three and one in the first four games Uh, it just is so not feasible at this point that I am I'm struggling to find where you get a win like I mean it'd be really hard to lose that many games in a row of course this city knows it's certainly possible but I mean, it's this is the tough portion of their schedule. You have the two division games back-to-back. Miami, like, who knows what that situation is going to be when you have to go down there. Then you have to go and play the Bills, and then Tom Brady and the Bucks are coming here. So this is the this is the part of the schedule that we were like, if they're going to get to six and five, like, where do you get those six wins because of this part of the schedule? They're losing these close games to guys like Joe Flacco in 2022. Like, it's not like they're losing these close games to the Josh Allens of the world. And even like when they played the Chargers, Justin Herbert's best quarterback they faced, he didn't even like kill them. And he's God knows playing with how many ribs in that game, but it. They just still kind of found a way to lose a close game that could have been won. And I think there are better teams out there waiting and probably salivating. And that's, I don't want, I don't want to ruin it for you, but maybe you're watching it on, on tape play. The the Bills Chiefs game is over. Do you know what happened? I don't want to tell you. No, because I'm in this room with no TV. No, I'm in this room. I'll watch it on NFL plus later. Bills one. It was good. It was a good game. We were before we thought. Before we came in here and recorded, it was, you know, it was on. There was not a part of me that thought that Jacoby Brissett could hang in, in a game like no. that. Go ahead, Dan. But I, I was going to say, but even like, I could sit here and poke holes in, in the Ravens, right? Like they're, what are they, three and three now? And they've just lost to the Giants who seem like they're good, but the Ravens should, should probably beat them. The Bengals, they're still kind of figuring things out. The Bucks lost to the Steelers today. Knocked me out of my survivor pool which was not fun, but oh, um, wow. sorry, man. Yeah, that's okay. I'll, I'll get through it. I'm, I'm fighting through it. It's okay. Uh, but you know, you can poke holes in some of these teams, but then I, I just kind of go back to what Ashley just said. Like they lost to Joe Flacco and Marcus Mariota and Bailey Zappi and should have lost to Baker Mayfield. And it's like, okay. So like, even if Baltimore is just like, even if they're not as good as we think they might be, even if they're just like a, slightly above average team 
they're still better than what the Browns have have faced so far outside of the Chargers. And it's hard that like the best thing you can say about the Browns so far this season is that the Ravens and Bengals have also screwed stuff up in games too. It's like, okay, well, cool. When they play the Browns, who do you think is going to win? And um, it's, it's not looking great at the moment. Okay. Uh, we'll finish up with this. I re people were leaving, right? They gave like the Bronx cheer when they finally handed it to, the, to Chubb, you know, in the second half, I think that the announcers I'm watching my basement. The announcers didn't quite get it. The announcers were saying like, Oh, they're cheering because they had a finally had a positive play. I think they were cheering because they finally gave it to Nick Chubb again. And Nick Chubb had like not touched a football in two quarters and he's the everyone's favorite player. So, and you get it, you get behind and you get desperate. Can you feel, could you feel it, Irie, in the stadium, people losing faith? Like that's part of this too, that Browns fans have been jerked around for so long, but like beyond, that's the thing too, that is the weird part of this. I get they're losing without Deshaun Watson, but it feels like it's more than losing. It feels like you're, you have reason to question like what they're all about and how they go about their business. And is this actually a young core ready to do something when Deshaun Watson comes back? To me, Irie, I think there are fans starting to wonder about that. What do you think it felt like in the stadium today with the way the crowd reacted? I'll give I'll give you something because <laughs> right before, like a few plays right before that happened, I, I just had to get up. I think it was right as the Patriots had put into the Browns, and I just had to get up. I think Dan got up, had gone up too sometime before me. And as I'm just walking, just sitting for a second, not even sitting, like standing for a second, I'll look through the window, you know, in the back of stuff here in the press box, and I see all these people walking back on the freeway that, you know, they close off. I just remember seeing it thinking, whoa. And then Dan's coming through saying, what's up? I said, yo, you see that? He said, oh, my gosh. You would have thought it was the post game. And then we went back into, like, the little cafeteria thing just to see if we get a better view. And right as – that was right before they finally gave the ball to Nick Chubb and gave him one of his only 12 attempts. When I think of, of a, a 12 attempts, I'm not thinking about that for Chubb. I'm, I'm expecting that for Kareem Hunt. That's been the trend for him throughout this season. He'll get no more than maybe 11, 12 carries, hopefully for 50 total rushing yards spread out through through the game. But for Chubb to, yeah, for that to finally happen, I understand why the fans cheered and stuff because my expectation too going into this game was this coach and pretty much the Zen master within uh, Belichick already is more familiar with Jacoby Brissett than, than we are. And already knows that they will catch on simply and quickly to their uh, short pass decision-making. So if anything, this should be a regular old fashioned great. Just let the running back go off type of game. That's what I wanted. And that's what I expected. I remember saying there's been 25 t- times where a Browns running back has rushed for 30, uh, has rushed the ball 30 times in a single game. Was I thinking it'd be 30 times? No, but I expected them to give the ball at least nearly close to that. So all of this coincides to say, yes, I understand the frustrations of the fans and why they cheered on that one play alone. Cause it's like, finally, I know like where has, has did this been at the entire game? Now you do it with three minutes left in the third quarter. I'm not, we all make incorrect picks, right? I mean, nobody in the history of making picks has made more wrong picks than I have, but just, I'll mention in passing that I was the only one of us to pick the Patriots today. Everybody else picked the Browns. So this is what I mean by that, Ashley. Did a loss like this today change how you view the Browns? That they'd been close. Hey, they could have been, you know, listen, they were two and three, but they could have been four and one. They got taken apart by Bailey Zappi with Bill Belichick as the, as the puppeteer behind it. Did it change? Because, you know, Going into this game, it's like, all right, they win, they get back to three and three, okay, and instead they get blown off the field. How did it affect how you view the team? I I don't know that it changed things like a complete 180 or anything, but it kind of solidifies the things we think are problems being problems, and maybe the problems run deeper than, oh, they've given up 440 rushing yards last two games, like you have to get to the root of the problem. Um, and obviously today the Patriots didn't kill them on the ground, but they found another way. So what are the deficiencies? Um, and I do think like from a picks perspective, like I might pick them like once over the next four games right now, unless something different happens because like 
where are those wins coming from? You know, that's a bigger conversation. Um, and I haven't, I really haven't picked against them. I think they've gone into all these games with, you know, there's been reason to believe they could have won all of these games. And like we've been saying, they've been close, but man, like right now it's, it's hard to justify saying like, yeah, this team is going to, going to be able to pull out a win because like for as much this week as, you know, I thought about the fact, you know, the Patriots, like they, they can't really come back from early mistakes or early deficits, but like this team can't either right now. So that makes it really hard when you have a team like that to, you know, go into any game thinking they have a fighting chance, like on paper they might, but they haven't shown that ability in a game, in a close game to make the game winning play necessarily beyond a rookie kickers, you know, historic make in week one. Um, yeah, and the rookie cooker, the rookie kicker was was good today when it, it didn't matter. So like with no pressure on, boom, Cade York was good to go. Dan, this defense we think we've talked a lot in a lot of ways was sort of built to stop Lamar Jackson, right? That's why JOK is here. We think like, is this the? Are we going to see the real? Just wait, just wait till next Sunday. Then, well, Joe Woods is like, okay, we've just been treading water <laughs> until we get to Lamar. This is what we're here to do. How big is this game? Three and three Baltimore, two and four Cleveland. It feels like this is, it's not a loser's out necessarily kind of thing, but man, it, a week from now, it's going to be a huge difference of how we view this team. Even if maybe today didn't change people's minds all that much. A week from now, win versus loss, same for the Ravens, is, is I'm not only being partially facetious, is this the right team for them to be facing right now that the Ravens also have problems? The Ravens have given up leads. This defense is built to stop Lamar and the Browns will take the field next Sunday and feel good about it. How big is this game? It's huge, huge. Cause they have two division games coming up. So that's, that's part of it. It's gigantic though. I mean, it could be, if they win, it could be a season saver. Like if they lose, it's not like a season ender necessarily, but if they win, it's like, okay, everybody take a deep breath. You just beat a division team. You just beat Lamar Jackson. You assume your defense looks better. But I'll be honest, I'm, I kind of close my eyes and I imagine Lamar Jackson running around and throwing the ball to some receiver who gets free in the back end. And after he catches it and scores, I'm sitting in the press box thinking, oh, yeah, I remember that guy in college. He's pretty, pretty fast. That feels with the, how that game's going to go, which probably means it won't go that way because usually these games don't go the obvious way. But it's just hard for me to see this defense being able to contain Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews and you know, whatever receiver, I don't know. I don't know if Rashad Bateman is back yet. I, I haven't looked to see if he played today. Um, but I, this could be a season saver, but it's just hard for me. I'm certainly not going to pick them to win the game. One more thing. I, this is bad podcast hosting by me. Before the podcast, we said, hey, what are we going to talk about? It's like, oh, let's make sure we talk about this. Ashley, are we on Josh Dobbs' watch? <laughs> well, in the sense that, like, do we think it's going to happen? Mary Kay asked Kevin Stefanski about this today, if they would consider a change at quarterback. And he said no, and didn't elaborate any further. But like, I think at this point, it might be a fair conversation. Like, even if you're not talking about Josh Dobbs coming in at the starter as a starter, what Mary Kay has been advocating for, like, are there certain situations where you can use him because he's more dynamic? And if Jacoby Brissett's biggest asset is as a game manager and he's now turning the ball over in every game and in this game multiple times, then, like, why would it not be fair? Now, obviously, the downside with Dobbs is an extremely small sample size in meaningful NFL games that are not preseason games. But they they've kind of painted themselves into this corner where like they don't have anybody else here really with experience so like they might view it as being kind of you know stuck with Jacoby Brissett is my word that I'm going to use like that you you don't have another option you can't bench him and have a, a proven backup behind him because he is the backup quarterback so I I would be you know I'm I don't think it's going to happen but I think it's a conversation worth having. And we talked about this like in the preseason, one of the preseason pods. I think I was like, I don't know if you start the season, I threw out a random number and I know what I said. I said, if you start the season two and four, maybe it's worth discussing because it can't get any worse. And where you did are this we? to them? Look at I you. did it. I spoke at it. Maybe I'm a fortune teller and just don't know it. Irie, would you be pondering 
a package for Josh Dobbs? Would you have him ready if Jacoby throws two picks in the first half? Where are you with that? Yes, definitely. Even if it's just for two plays, even if even if you put him in as as a decoy, still has to be some type of thought going on right now in the back of their heads, thinking, do we just sub him in for some type of action to throw off the opposing defense? Because we're talking about next week. We're talking about the you know the the divisional rival and the Baltimore Ravens, whose offense is just staggering and just dynamic. But guess what? Their defense is just as bad, especially their pass defense has been just as bad right now too. So if anything, the def- between the defenses next week, expect this to be a, a this is some that the kids say I would know a battle of the mids. You know, I I think that that's really the, the way to see it right now. And so when it comes to Joshua Dobbs, I think there definitely should be some sense of just getting giving him a baggage of place because you need a change of pace right now. If this team is already breaking down mentally and already having the mindset of we're just playing until Deshaun Watson comes back, then you need to change it up a bit. Maybe get instead of one of the more older guys on the team, you know, throwing the ball, let's get some youth in there. We saw the way that he was playing in preseason. Now it's different from regular season, but still give it a shot. Give it a new mindset. Something that can just kind of cleanse the escape just off of this team and give them something like a, even if a little bit of a breath spread the air. Dan, is this complicated? This discussion complicated by the fact that Kevin Stefanski and Jacoby Brissett are both so nice. They wouldn't do that. Oh, you wouldn't do that to Jacoby. Kevin believes in his guys. I don't know. I we like we keep talking. The thing about this is we keep talking about like what if Kevin Stefanski does this? What if he does this? And it's like he's not going to do anything. Can I can I say this? I you know I don't I don't know if Josh Jobs is any kind of answer or not, but whatever. Try it. I feel like this is sort of the first time where Kevin Stefanski is really facing these moments as a head coach. I think there were like some whispers early last season, like, oh, does he need to get Joe Woods out of here? But then the defense played great and it was fine. I think Prefer has kind of been on and off the the hot seat in fans' minds for a while. You know, last year, I guess when Baker was hurt, it was like, well, should they keep playing him or not? I mean, maybe there's an argument to be made there, but this feels like the first time Kevin really has to be faced with some hard decisions. Like, do I need to bench my starting quarterback who's not my starting quarterback do i need to fire my defensive coordinator who's been my defensive coordinator for three years and a guy that i chose and like do i need to make that choice do i need to fire mike prefer these are guys that i've known since my minnesota days i this is an interesting time i think in kevin stefanski's coaching career because browns fans are gonna love to hear this but if the losses keep piling up then you start to look at that owner and wonder like is Kevin Stefanski's loyalty going to put Kevin Stefanski in, in danger? So this is a really interesting spot. And I think the Jacoby Josh Dobbs decision, whether it's just give him some plays or make the move entirely is, is just a, a smaller part of that. Like you're kind of in a moment here, Kevin, what are you going to do? And also last year when the whispers started, then everyone just blamed Odell for anything. And then it was like, oh, no, if Kevin's fine. It's not his fault. That yeah, no, you're was, right. And you had those easy scapegoats of Odell and then Baker. Uh, yep. I just want to so, add, I just want to add, add on to this just real quickly, too, by the way, because I know, I, yes, I am the one that uh, has been cited as Jacoby Brissett's best man. Yes, I am the one that said if you can just play 60% of uh, Rich Gannon and play it in his MVP season, then they will be all right. So it hurts to, to see to go from the fact that just – it three hurts. weeks ago, just three, three, three weeks ago, you had many people meet at outlets that are wondering could Brissett somehow, some way stick as Stefanski's starting quarterback for, for the rest of the season. Now there's been a full 180. You know, Doug, you were just giving me the whole talk on marriage and, and whatnot just a couple of weeks mm. ago. And now here we are. So whether it has to be a sense of soul searching or whether it's a sense of different offensive schemes and just the Come up the less pressure and only limit percent to his play and only give him a little bit of like a limit on his playmaking. So be it. But I just have to add that to say that it it hurts to uh you know go in on him the way I've had to. I feel like I feel I, this is like like New Jack City. This is like like at the end when Wesley Snipes you know and my my brother's keeper. That's what this feels like right now. He's, he's got the tears going down the face. He's got and everything. Like yes, I am. That's what I, I feel. I feel like I'm doing right now. This is Kevin's pain. gonna have Kevin's gonna have you do it. 
I, I would like I to go on the record. This is two straight podcasts now where Irie has made a new Jack City reference. Yeah. I had to, man. I, the, before it felt that way, and now after, after today in this loss, I decided to put the eyes on the king. I had to establish it, that this is what's happening to me right now. Do you know that feeling, man? Do you know that feeling? Do you know what it's like to compare to Rich Gannon and it get thrown right in your face? Rich Gannon is going to sue you if you keep using his name on this podcast in reference to Jacoby Brissett. So you better be care. careful. He, he better wait after the Guardians game. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think there are some fundamental issues here. And and I think they would like – I think that the thing that Ashley said right off the bat is like it feels like a team that's waiting for Deshaun to return and that that has permeated the culture. As much as they say they're not, it feels like they are. And I think it's dangerous. So um, I don't know if playing Baltimore is the fix, but we're going to have a bunch of great coverage this week. Make sure you're reading Cleveland.com slash Browns. Also, a little heads up. If you're at all interested, like in the sports betting world, right? Cleveland.com slash betting. It's coming to Ohio on January 1st. It's just something to keep in mind, right? Maybe you're interested in it. Maybe you're not. But we're trying to help you guide you through that a little bit. If you if you maybe think that would uh, enhance your football watching experience. And, of course, be a Browns insider. Again, you go to Cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner, blue banner and you get this. Be signed up and get all the good stuff that these guys are producing for now. Mary Kay Cabot, who you might notice wasn't in the last segment because she had to go write 15 stories, but she's still Mary Kay. Dan Lobby, Ashley Bastock, Irie Harris, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. <laughs>